The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to the series Allowing Abundance. I am April Wyatt, your wellness advocate, and I'm here to offer you different holistic approaches so you can live a more abundant life. And what I love about being a co-creator with other like-minded souls is how it literally raises the vibration allowing yourself to be open and receive as we co-create together here today, which is the source of abundance. And for this episode, we will explore focusing on nurturing yourself from the inside out, mentally, physically, and emotionally, and how food plays a big part of wellness. As you know, When you eat well and healthy, you feel good. Your biology literally changes as you have more energy and vitality. This is when you are in alignment with abundance. And for our next guest, I invite Maria Mason, a lovely soul I've had the pleasure of meeting on online actually, and even virtually as she's across the globe. Uh, South France, I felt an instant connection with her because Maria and I share the same bond with nature. And through our own experiences in life, she too has felt the call to be a guide in wellness for others. Maria is passionate about nutrition and mindful-based eating awareness, and she started her journey by exploring nutrition to support herself and then expanded by offering counseling for others by incorporating tools such as hypnosis, eye sensory movement, and mindfulness practices. And through this holistic approach, Maria's inspiration for wellness is believing in our own natural power and inner resources that helps us choose the right path to optimal living. I'm honored to introduce to you Maria Mason. 
Thank you, Maria, for being here with us today in our community. Hi, April. Thank you for such a beautiful presentation. I feel like a flower that's just about to blossom. <laughs> oh, maybe that's why I was inspired to wear this shirt today. It's like maybe. I haven't worn this shirt in a long time. And I'm like, I'm meeting Maria. And we talk, we've talked in the past, Maria and I, about her lovely space that she lives in, in Lavender Fields, uh, south of uh, Paris. And what an abundant place to live, too, Maria. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, we're, we're surrounded by lavender fields, and lavender fields don't ask for a lot of water. So this is just fantastic. <laughs> As uh, it's getting drier and drier, the lavender is continuing to grow, and um, they are actually planting more lavender fields now than before. So this is just wonderful. <laughs> mm. Oh, I just can't imagine. It just would be beautiful to wake up and, and explore that every day. Yeah. Sure is, yeah. yeah. Well, would you mind sharing your story, Maria, of how you uh, discovered about nutrition and how it supported you uh, up to this point? And basically, yeah, what... What abundance have you found through that journey? Oh, yes. With pleasure. It's it's a long journey. Um, I started when I was young, um, being passionate about cooking, because I always loved cooking, inventing. And uh, with my mother, we used, to, we used to taste all my inventions. And we had great fun, you know, uh, with the cooking and then um i i had the the luck to go to france when i was young and to do an exchange when i was 15 and then i i i mean i really loved france and what really hit me was that the french they uh sat around the table and it was a real moment of communication of taking time to eat um, you could see that they really appreciated the food they were eating and they would spend hours preparing just one meal. Like um, at 15, we spent a full day eating a paella. Can you imagine spending a full day about preparing it, eating it, talking together and everything? And I found this just fantastic because there is a big difference between the way we uh, ate in Ireland when I was small. It was more, you know, you eat to live. Whereas in France, mm. they seem to live to eat. So uh, I really love this, you know. And um, then I went back and I love the French language too. So I was forever talking to myself in French. And I came back when I was 18. So when I came back, um, I really felt at home in France. But it was a very stressing moment for me. I felt really uprooted, you know. Um, I had lots of symptoms, but I was still passionate about food. And um, the first time I went back to Ireland, I went back with a cake with triple chocolate layers. So there was white, brown and dark chocolate. And I said, I must bring this back home to my family for them to taste. But the chocolate that they like in France is not the chocolate that they like in Ireland. So in fact, I brought back my cake and just my mother and I ate the cake. So... <laughs> <laughs> So I was really passionate about passionate about this food that, you know, you, you, people didn't really understand in Ireland what I was passionate about, you know. And I was also um, a bit obsessive about food because I kept thinking of food and 
every single moment, um, even when I'd be talking with someone saying, when is the next meal? When is the next meal? I was really obsessive. So this was a bit too much, you know, in one way, but um, every I was discovering so much, you know, at 18, there was the language, the, the mentality. I mean, I found this wonderful, you know. Um, so I did actually, I had, a, as it was a stressful period too, I, to, I did have some stress, um, we say stress alerts, <laughs> stress, mm. well, stress symptoms. So I actually, um, I had, um, I was compulsive uh, in eating. Uh, I remember one day nearly eating a full a salad bowl of uh, chocolate mousse. And I mean, I felt really, really bad afterwards. Of course, I didn't feel good. And um, I actually also had very little money. So I was actually very hungry too. So I I, I was living in a type of a lacking food. Um, you know, I could say that in another way. Say I was lacking in food. I was lacking in money. And I was jumping on the food that I loved. And I uh, I got to know um, a French patissier who was working in, in Maxime. Maxime, it's a very good uh, restaurant in France and um, in Paris. And he would bring me back the cakes they were going to throw away, which didn't help mm. at all. And of course, I always said, bring back chocolate, 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 until I made <laughs> <it> so sick. <laughs> so um, I... Uh, I also had uh, started developing body symptoms. I had um, uh, irritable bowel syndrome. Mm -hmm. uh, I had nausea. I, mean, I really didn't feel good. Um, but then there were lots of wonderful things at the same time. Uh, I even started becoming hypochondriac. So uh, I, I had always been really close to nature and close to... Um, what is natural and our body is natural and mm -hmm. I always found that fantastic um my biology lessons I I really um I loved the biology lessons and I still remember my teacher who was called Mrs. Ralph and I loved the way she taught us and I just I thought of the body and what was happening in my body and I kept thinking of it you know what is happening and there must be something that I missed out or that I must learn or that I must, you know, must do. And I was thinking there must be the psychology. There must be the metabolism. They're asking myself all these questions and I wanted the answers. And I was so curious because I'm a very curious person. And I said, okay, I'm going to study dietetics. So this um, actually turned into studying nutrition instead of dietetics, because I suppose it was more suited to me too, because I really wanted to know everything. <laughs> so I started learning nutrition. Um, I was learning um, uh, in the day. I was working at, um, well, I was working in the day, learning at night, and then I was working in the year and I had my holidays. My holidays was working to earn money. So I, I paid for my studies, uh, working and studying at the same time. And um, I did my nutrition degree, so I ended up with a master in nutrition and uh, still passionate about nutrition, but I hadn't managed to associate it with psychology and I wanted to. So um, I did start working in dietetic um, foods and then I uh, went on to study psychotherapy. So um, what I didn't mention as well, that when I arrived in France, I mean, I was suffering from uh, trauma but I didn't know it in fact yeah, so yeah. it wasn't one of the reasons why I was so stressed when I wasn't when I did arrive in France so 
there were lots of things I had to work on psychologically. And um, I, I went on to, I went to a school that was teaching me lots of different methods. So it was a psychotherapy course, but in the psychotherapy course, I could learn lots of different methods. So um, I just fell in love with hypnosis. And um, I went on to to go deeper into hypnosis and to become a, a practitioner. And then um, I wanted, of course, well, I always wanted to go to the root of everything. So I wanted to learn how to help people who had trauma. So I I, I learned uh, how to treat to help people with trauma with eye movement uh, uh, therapy, and um, and then I. I said to myself, well, um, okay, you have two hats, uh, psycho and nutritional. What can you do that just you can do and help people with? So I said, okay, maybe I can associate the two together. So um, then there was the COVID and uh, I said, okay, I have time. What will I do? So I decided I would do research to help people to lose weight because I had lots of people coming to see me that were suffering from um uh the be well we say is they'd come to see me saying they wanted to lose weight but they were actually suffering a lot about their food behavior yes. uh so um lo lots of people would be interested in just the psychological side and not the nutritional side or rarely it was just the nutritional side so i had everyone that came didn't want to do a diet and um i never gave a diet to anyone but uh it was, I could see there was a lot of suffering in, in this population, but I could see that it was complicated to link nutrition to psychology because there's one thing that stops uh, people from advancing uh, psychologically is when you're too uh, severe with nutrition. So mm. you have to have a, a good balance between the two. So the behavior has to evolve. And when the behavior evolves, well, then it's much easier to make um, good nutritional choices. So you can't really advance straight away in nutrition. Um, and the psychological side is very important. But then there's an also, also another side to it. It's the metabolism. So what I saw is that your metabolism can make you psychologically not feel very good. So we do actually uh, know that there is um, inflammation in the brain of uh, people who are depressed, um, that uh, there are different bacteria in your intestines that are linked with uh, different um, uh, psychological uh, symptoms. So um, there is the metabolism that's important. So <laughs> I said, oh, this is big, what am I going to do? So I said, okay, I think one of the things I can do is say, maybe just learn about mindful eating. So I said, okay, I'm going to learn um, how to do um, mindful meditation. So my first option was to learn how to be a mindful meditation coach, learn it for myself. So I learned all this. And then I got to, uh, I was reading lots of documents, you know, scientific documents to help people. And I kept seeing MB eat, MB eat, MB eat in lots of documents I had seen. So MB eat means mindfulness based eating awareness training. So I actually said to myself, well, this is very interesting because the most interesting articles that I've written that I've read came from studies made through uh, the MBE team. Well, I did see other interesting, interesting ones like um, 
health at every size, for instance. There were other ones that were interesting, but there were quite a lot coming from um, MBE. So um, I saw that they were giving courses online and I said, oh, this is great. So I I booked in for a course. <laughs> Yay, COVID, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I learned uh, how to become an instructor. And um, when I learned how to become an instructor, then I understood that I had already the the information, but I just didn't know. It's like having wool without having the needles, you know? I had the bases, but I hadn't managed to make the jump, you know, the the, the garment that you could make with it, you know? So um, mm. then I realized that there is um, really a way to help people step by step to get to where they want. And what is fantastic about MBE is that... Um, there have been um, scientific studies now for 20 years, and we see that not only people uh, learn to have a more peaceful relationship with their um, eating behavior, but they also start eating better nutritionally. And we do know that if you start eating better nutritionally, as you said at the start, you start feeling better physically <laughs> and psychologically. So it is a very virtuous type of uh, course. And um, I I really saw as well, paths I went through by myself as well, because um, there is also um, the mindfulness side. You question, you know, what way am I living my life? Is this the type of life I want to live? And all this mindfulness side, well, when I think of it, when I remember when I was obsessive about food, when I uh, I had lots of stress symptoms about food, well, in fact, what I did do was go closer and closer to um, how I felt my life should be, that I'm here for something. So, you know, it sort of um, linked me onto that. And I realized that I have done a lot of the path already that MBE um, teaches you. I have done it by myself, by being curious, but I would have loved to have done a course like that 20 years ago. So, um, yeah, Jean Christeller, who uh, is the psychologist behind all this, uh, well, um, I'm very admirative of the work uh, she has done and uh, how she manages to keep a humble um, uh, a humble way of talking about this with all she has done. I mean, mindfulness you never really know uh, what is going to be present and um, you know you you can never say okay I, I have all the answers you're just going minute by minute to to help uh, help yourself along in fact because it's really teaching people to help themselves so uh, yeah. yeah it sure is it and wow Love, I, I could just listen to you talk all day long, Maria, <laughs> and and your stories and just how you illustrated them so perfectly for us of you uh, coming from Ireland and into Paris and experiencing uh, those food, um, I don't know if we call it, would you call it insecurities about food? Oh. Yeah, well, it was it was insecurity. Yeah, well, I think um, there there was insecurity about myself, I me, mean, my stability, and being uprooted didn't uh, help. 
So it was everything started at that age, my symptoms, everything. Wow. And Stephen, you saying uprooted makes me think about, you know, you're you're taken out, you're put mm-hmm. into a different environment, you're trying to figure things out, and that really heightens the sympathetic nervous system. Yeah. And and so then um I have a theory and I'm so excited to ask you this. Okay. I'm serious about this people. I have a theory about that. And so when our uh, sympathetic nervous system is switched on and it's on hyperdrive, right? Because we're Mm -hmm. insecure. we, We feel uncertain. I'm going to give the example of the global shift, right? In 2020, there was a lot of that going on and you could see in the grocery stores, all the chips, ice cream, like all the high carb, sugar, salty, snacky, crunchy stuff in the U S at least was just dissipated out of the, the shelves. So my theory is with the sympathetic nervous system being on hyper active and that biologically is driving us to crave the sugar, the carbohydrates, the things, because our body's saying, okay, you're in survival mode. You don't know when you're going to have your next meal. There's a lot of uncertainty. Would you say that is true or s- to some effect? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, yes. It's um, scientifically, we actually do see that people, um, when their emotions are troubled. Um, I mean, it's the animal, the animal side of us could go towards eating, but we do actually um, see two behaviors uh, with um, strong emotions. Some people can't eat anymore and some people continue eating. Okay. You have people that put on weight and you have people that lose weight, but a scientific study showed that people are not indifferent to stress. They're not indifferent food-wise. So you have two types of reactions, but we do have uh, also uh, hypnotic reactions. Like, for instance, if um, every time you fell, you were given a piece of chocolate, then you have learned subconsciously that chocolate is the answer. I have an example with my daughter. I used to give her um, bottles of water. You know, she used to drink a lot of water. And of course, she was my first baby. So I... I thought that um, that uh, she was thirsty, in fact. <laughs> so I was giving her lots of water. But she must have been crying sometimes for an emotional reason, and I didn't realize it. So um, I was giving her water. And one day, she went towards a little child that had fallen. She had run into the house. She went to get a glass of water. And she gave him the glass of water and said, yeah, here. Take this uh, water, you'll feel so much better afterwards. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> bless her heart. Yes. yes. And and I see what you're saying with that. Yeah, we, we are conditioned. We learn 
that association with an emotion to food yes. or to to our environment yeah we actually when we eat um it's as if we've already been formatted to eat the amount we eat and the way we eat uh we already have a quantity in our in our minds for the food that we eat we already have all that is it's as if we've weighed it already inside ourselves we've we've already um planned in advance without knowing it subconsciously how we're going to eat in fact so being mindful with food is really coming back to what is happening now and is it okay for me now because there were moments in life where maybe it was good or helpful to eat in a certain way because maybe for instance someone who had too much one day it helped them not to be stressed about something else okay one day is okay but if you do that all your life that's a lot of food eaten that you don't really need in fact so, um, and then you also have marketing. Um, I mean, our adolescents are so hypnotized. They, mm -hmm. they are hypnotized and we hypnotize each other between each other. Like for instance, um, having an aperitif. It's a sort of a ritual for lots of people and rituals are sort of hypnotic uh moments you're you're expecting them in fact it's like smoking you're expecting to smoke your cigarette when you drink your alcohol or when you drink your coffee it's been taught to you but it doesn't mean that you need it it's as if you're filling the space uh yeah. with everything that was in that space the last time you lived a context that was very similar to it so if for instance, every time you drink coffee, you smoke a cigarette. Well, then if you drink your coffee without the cigarette, then you feel there's something missing. But in mm -hmm. fact, if you're mindful about drinking your coffee, you realize that you're, you're actually living a full moment. Uh, yes. Oh, I, I really love that. So go, go a little deeper with that, Maria. Um. Lacking of something is, it can be something that has been there for a long time in us, something that we, you know, we um, are taught to, we're taught to be in the lacking because of experiences in our past. So in fact, today, um, if you just come back to what is happening, what emotions am I having? Do I have some urges in me? And if you can look at these and sort of not move, just observe them. That is mindfulness. We just don't necessarily move. We observe. Then you learn so much about yourself. And um, and learning about yourself will give you the space to be able to change what you, what you will do, in fact. Hypnosis can help you too, because hypnosis is uh, working with the part of you that subconsciously has learned things. So if subconsciously you have always done in a certain way, well, then uh, you can actually work with a hypnotherapist to um, go towards living whatever you're living in another way and building new resources. Well, you have the resources, but using the resources that you have. We don't use all the resources we have necessarily. We don't necessarily believe we have them even. So hypnosis is actually um, looking. We look for the resources in the person and 
it's the person themselves that finds the solution in the same way as mindfulness where you look at what's happening and you find your solutions Mm. but in mindfulness it's all you finding your own solutions choosing and you can feel really strong with that too because you know oh gosh it's really me who did this even if you're taught it you know you you don't feel oh god i went to see someone who uh who did something for me you know it's i'm actually i have the choice i can make my own choices um whereas hypnosis um can help you maybe to make some things go quicker for instance mm-hmm. um it could uh, could help you to um, to manage, uh, say, uh, in a shorter time, what you have been trying to do uh, with mindfulness. Um, but what is it, it will never replace the fact that you observe yourself regularly, because we do learn to observe ourselves and to take this time to be with ourselves. It's yeah, you know, mindfulness is sort of coming back and being with yourself. Whereas hypnosis, um, it's a moment where you're going towards a change and um, they're very complementary. In fact, they don't, they're not at the same place. Mindfulness, you get to know yourself more as well. Hypnosis, then if you know yourself more, well, then you know better what to say to your hypnotherapist. What do I need to work on? You you Uh, see what I mean? Yes, I do. I do. I love how you bridge them. And so what I'm hearing you say, like mindfulness, we can observe as, as I've learned through my own mindfulness practice. And that really empowers me. I can only speak from my experience, right? It really empowers me to, just as you said, Maria, like, wow, I did that. Or, Mm. oh, that was a little easier than I thought it would be because the mind is so caught up in all of those ruminating thoughts about the past or the future and is rarely in the present moment and mindfulness just drops us down. And then with the hypnotherapy, I want everybody to just uh, relax a little bit about that because there's a stigma tied to that cliche of somebody, you know, holding a watch and programming your mind to go do something (laughs) And when, from my understanding of hypnotherapy, it's just being guided into more of a relaxed state. It's almost like you're in between awake and sleep. And, and then the person just guides you to reflect on certain things that are coming up, whether it's emotions or maybe some visualizations, um, and then uh, just having a different approach to that part of you that is in the subconscious. Yeah, there are lots of different ways, actually, of practicing hypnosis. But really, the basis is uh, knowing people have resources and looking for them with the person and helping them to use them. Whereas with mindfulness, you just come back to yourself and you get to know yourself better and better. But I have actually seen traumatism disappear through a meditative state as well. So, you know, coming back to yourself and just accepting things the way they are can let it go as well. So Uh, there are lots of paths, in fact, to help people, to help yourself and to help people. 
But if you really have traumatism, it's more it's it's important that you go towards a specialist, you know, who who knows to work with how to work with trauma, because there are some things that we we really need help for, mm-hmm. and um, trying without succeeding can make you feel that you'll never manage, uh, you know. So it's uh, it's important. I'd say that the main ingredient, in fact, when you really really want to advance on a long trip like that, is um, it's really uh, self compassion and self acceptance. Because if you can be compassionate even with the parts of you that are not living what you would like them to be living, well, then you it's it's a great first step because we know that when we try when we fight against something it becomes even bigger so it is very helpful and it's what we learn in mindfulness and um and that that is really i would like if someone was say at the start of a big trip towards themselves i'd say they're the the ingredients i would encourage them to to use really Mm. yes and what i love about all the gifts that you have to offer is that you meet the person where they're at and then see what best suits them. Uh, When you said about, you know, us having self-compassion for ourselves and self-acceptance, I think that's also part of the lacking. I feel that that is the root cause of a lot of, uh, disruptions of you know mental health because we're not appreciating ourselves and and having that compassion and um having knowledge that that's part of the self-discovery that's part of i call it uh navigating your internal landscape you know, because we have little hills, oh, things are going great. And we have a valley where, oh, that day didn't go so great. And then we have a mountain where, oh, I can see everything clearly. I know exactly where I'm going. And then we have a canyon to where mm-hmm. we can't even find ourselves. So when we hold that self-compassion and understanding that we are emotional beings and that we are just meeting ourselves where we're at, wherever that is, then that allows us to open uh, a little bit more to that self-discovery and acceptance and, and healing. Oh, yes, I definitely agree. And it's true that the behavior of not accepting yourself makes symptoms. Yes. And it's yes, part I of hear, the problem. Yeah. yeah, I hear so many people say, I'm this. I'm that I'm so depressed. I'm so anxious. I'm, I'm fat. I'm this, I'm that. And even those, those are really affirmations. That's just what you're speaking to yourself and your body is responding. Of course your body is, uh, yeah, it's not separated from you, your body. I mean, it's like talking about your next door neighbor that is standing in front of you maybe insulting your next door neighbor and your next door neighbor is not going to go home very happy if you insult your next door neighbor. And what do we do to ourselves? That's really important. Do I treat myself well? Do I give myself enough rest? 
the way we live our lives, it can be nourishing or not. And uh, it does give us that the result that um, that we, we put into it, in fact. Then I, I also prepared today for people listening. I thought, well, the root of everything, really, as I was saying, it's self-compassion. So I prepared a little a little meditation uh, that I'm going to put on my uh, YouTube channel as well. Um, okay. If it's okay for you, it lasts five oh, minutes. Please, please. So it's just a tiny meditation um, for self, self-compassion because I really feel that that is where you can go from, in fact. Uh, and if people do this and they feel that it's um, that it's difficult for them, okay, it just means that they... They know that they have this to work on and uh, maybe they can take it as information rather than uh, than suffering from not managing to follow. So I just propose that um, that you sit up, uh, all the auditors could just sit up in a, in a straight and comfortable position. And the position is important. Actually, psych- psychologically, the position we are in is actually going to change us. In three minutes, if you sit in, say, a position that is, say, if you're proud of yourself for three minutes, the position you are in is actually going to make you feel better. So mm-hmm. I propose that you sit up in a beautiful, dignified way, feeling, okay, this is me and I have the right to be here. <laughs> okay? And then just let a beautiful, warming light appear in your heart. Let this light fill every corner of your heart so that your entire heart warms up and lights up. Now you may let this warm light take root in your heart and fill you with your deepest love. Like every human being, you have love in your heart. You have already felt it when you loved. It is there because it is the nature of human beings to be endowed with love. And you can even place your hand on your heart, thanking maybe all this love for being there with you. Now, Let your warming light of love spread throughout your chest. And with each in-breath, it progresses throughout your body. And every time you expire a little further, so that it even spreads around you. surrounding you with a halo of all the love your heart holds. Now, invite the baby you once were into this halo. You may decide to make the gesture of holding the baby in your arms, letting your body decide if it wants to make any loving movement for the baby. If your mind wants to whisper words of love. 
offering this love freely without expecting anything in return. Appreciating the baby for who they are simply. Now invite another version of yourself at a different age. It's a version of you with an unresolved problem. Whatever the problem is, you may choose to accept this part of you with its problem without trying to change this you. Enveloping this you with its problem in the light and warmth of your heart's love. Accepting you for who you are. Then you may say to yourself, my heart belongs to me. My heart is full of compassion and warmth. And I can trust in my heart's ability to give me nourishment whenever I need it. My heart belongs to me. My heart is full of compassion and warmth. And I can trust my heart's ability to give me nourishment whenever I need it. You may want to thank yourself, to thank your heart before returning here, filled with your own kindness. Just really feeling that glow. Oh, that was beautiful, Maria. Thank you, April. Yes, love, love the whole, just in embodying that beautiful love and that glow and, you know, accepting parts of ourselves. Um, that it could be challenging, right? For yes, we often, in fact, we we suffer twice very often because we live something that made us feel bad, but we feel bad because we feel bad. <laughs> so it's like two knives. <laughs> it is. It's already if you can be compassionate about the fact that you got the first knife. Well, you, you're not putting the second knife into you already. Doing doing that is already good. But maybe you can help with the first knife by being compassionate as well. Yes. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. You're welcome. I'll be putting that up on my YouTube channel. So uh, if anyone wants to practice it more and more and more, well, it would be as good as... Uh, <laughs> 
as any other treatment. <laughs> Never knew. Of course. <laughs> and the energy is there. You know, it's it's there. Your voice, your essence, the energy is there for support. It's um, helping a person to listen to themselves and know uh, what do they need. In fact, some yes. people need more um, of a certain amino acid or whatever uh, to concentrate. For instance, I had a young um, boy who came to see me and he, want, he was doing an important exam and he couldn't concentrate. So I taught him how to meditate and um, I explained to him that the food he was eating, in fact, was actually um, stopping him from concentrating. So he changed the food. Instead of eating sweet food in the morning, he started eating savory. And he said to me, you know, that's what I feel. I've always felt I wanted to eat. Yeah. I would eat an amount of eggs, an amount of tuna. And he said, I would just eat an enormous amount. He said, I always felt I had to eat this type of food. So uh, he started eating differently and doing meditation. And uh, he came back to me and said, I know how to do now. It's okay. So oh, that is amazing. I love, love that story. And just listening to that, it's just about us listening to our bodies too. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I've had points to where it's like, I'm going to eat something. Let's say it's something sweet and I'll ask my body, I'll hold it in my hand and I'll pause. Literally I do this and I'll ask, is this, is this what's right for me right now? Or is this going to really nurture me? And most of the time I feel it in my stomach, my stomach will queeze up. It'll like shrink a little bit. It's like, nope, you know, but our mind, just as you just as you expressed or and explained, Maria, earlier about being conditioned, um, having that uh, the relationship that we built with food in the past went in certain circumstances or being with certain people, that type of thing, and we just automatically psychologically go for that food when our body is like, nope, but we're not listening to our body. We're not with our bodies in that moment. So what you're saying is really interesting because in fact, it's actually, um, as I had irritable bowel syndrome, it's something that I developed through time is okay. Listen to your body. What does it want? Because I developed food intolerances and I actually, I even ended up with uh, candiadis, which meant that I couldn't eat any sweet food anymore and in fact when I realized I had candiatis I had actually stopped naturally eating anything sweet because I was listening to my body because I knew it wasn't okay for me and normally when you have candiatis you're attracted by sugar so in fact um, you can actually develop this intuition it can actually start half an hour before a meal you can start asking yourself what would I like to eat and there is one meal that's fantastic to do it for, but it means taking the time to eat this meal is the breakfast. Because at breakfast, we don't really have a certain meal planned out. I mean, everyone doesn't necessarily eat the same the same meal, you know, the same breakfast. So um, what I do is half an hour before, more or less, I ask myself, well, what? and I just leave it come. And I have... My table is just covered in food. There's, you know, so many choices and I'm sort of there. Okay, 
and what is the quantity that is good for me and you know it's uh, it's really just opening up to what your body's going to tell you and sometimes i'm sitting down eating and i say to myself oh i think say i just start thinking about sunflower grains or something like that and i say okay I heard, I go and get my sunflower greens, I put them on my dinner. <laughs> you know, it's sort of, yeah, you can really develop intuition. And uh, our bodies are actually very intelligent. And that is actually at the root of uh, mindfulness eating training. It's coming back to our bodies that, that are going to give us information, but not just uh, listening to our bodies, also listening to, say, our organization. For instance, imagine you're not very hungry. You're listening to your body that says you're not very hungry and it's dinner time, but you're going to be spending eight hours without eating. What do you do? <laughs> so you're going to mix what we call outer wisdom, which is I know that I won't eat for eight hours, and mm -hmm. inner wisdom, I'm not very hungry. So what do you do? You say, okay, what's the best between the two now? It's the best that I eat very little because I'm not really hungry. And then I'm going to be hungry in the afternoon. Or is the best that I eat, say, enough to hold me for eight hours. But just enough knowing that I'm not too hungry. I don't have to eat really a lot because I'm already not too hungry. But maybe I can decide to uh, to to choose something that really suits me in between. Yes, I like that idea and, and just meeting in the middle, right? Yeah. Knowing, yeah, because I think a lot of people, and that was another thing as you're talking about that is this, the time regimen of, okay, you got up, you need to eat breakfast now because your day is going to be so busy, but your body hasn't even woken up yet. Mm to digest the food, to intake it. Mm -hmm. This is my thoughts because that's how I feel. And yeah, so yeah. then I will wait till 9, 30, 10 o'clock sometimes to eat something. And then, you know, it's supposed to be lunchtime, you know, noon. Well, I just ate at 10 o'clock. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to eat again. Uh, yeah. So then I'll just have an apple with peanut butter, like at 2.30 or something, because I know dinner is coming and and I want to enjoy the meal uh, because my husband's a good cook <laughs> oh that's very important then. <laughs> yes so yes. I, I really enjoyed hearing you say that because I'm I then it makes me feel like oh yes I am doing the right thing I'm I'm listening well, it's not have because to I look say it a certain it's way because I, I say it that it's right <laughs> what's right is what's good for you yeah, it validated. How's that? It validated <laughs> the way I'm working with my body. Yes. I'm, I'm acknowledging it. And, and, and yeah. go ahead. Sorry, it's just that you said something that, that is very important in mindful eating. I'm sorry to break in. Um, you said, I really uh, want to enjoy the meal that my husband is going to make for me this evening. In fact, when you are hungry, and hungry at the right level, when I mean the right level to be to be at, at ease and not to jump on food. When you have hunger, mm -hmm. you will appreciate your food more. So if you um, if you have eaten too much and your husband makes you a meal and you're not hungry when you start, you're going to appreciate the meal less. But if you're really, really hungry 
you won't appreciate the meal as much either because okay taste wise you like it because you'll be able to feel it more but you eat so much so quickly that you won't have all this pleasure that you could have you know family whatever mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point too uh, i know sometimes uh you know just craving you get a craving for something uh such as stir fry I, I love vegetables and just a little bit like something shrimp or chicken, you know, just a little bit of some kind of protein in there. Uh, and the other night, as you said that, I was like, oh, I've been craving this meal. And I sat down and before I knew it, it I was it was done. And I literally wow. looked at my plate like, oh, my gosh, did I even <laughs> enjoy that? Because of that craving and anticipating. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't very mindful and just pausing and chewing and enjoying the flavors and the sensation of the, you know, being satiated by the nutrients. Well, you actually were listening to your body though, by, you know, being attracted to this food. You were actually, you know, you were listening to your body because your body really wanted that food and you ate it. So in one way you were, but you waited maybe too long. <laughs> Yes, we need to have stir fry more often. Yes. Yes, maybe. Bringing this back to uh, abundance and how you shared about, again, the lacking um, and us being detached from ourselves, from our bodies, and not appreciating or having that self-compassion, you know, that's that's going to really put us in a mental state of, again, lack or not enough, mm -hmm. um, you know, really in those uh, darker valleys of that internal landscape, as I said before. And then there we can't see or appreciate the abundance that we do have with either food or the environment that we're living in or nature or being with others uh, because, you know, the abundance is already within us. It is. Right. It's already there. But you know, the environment, it's the reflection of us. Mm -hmm. You know, if we if we are in better heads, the environment is in better heads. And if we look after the environment and the environment is in better heads, we also are in better heads. In mindfulness, we really link ourselves to the world and we know what is happening. Well, we look at what's happening in reality. We never know full reality. <laughs> We look at what's happening in reality. And in fact, when you eat food, it comes from the world and you're going to link yourself to where it comes from. But it's also going to, you know, afterwards, if you have taken lots of medicine because you're sick, it's going to go into the environment too. So it is just a, it's a circle, in fact. And we are not any, any, well, we don't have superiority. We are just, a, um, say, uh, human beings on earth. There are animals on earth. There are insects on earth. The earth was not made for us. It was made for all human and living and beings and nature. So, uh, but we actually do have a big effect on the earth. But um, that's why um, mindful eating can actually affect the planet. <laughs> because if we're more aware of what we do, um, yes. without feeling guilty, you know, without saying, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that. But, you know, in a peaceful, loving relationship with ourselves, 
um, the good balance between, you know, what is perfect and what is imperfect and being in the middle, you know, not perfect, but, you know, choosing mindfully. We can do a lot for, for ourselves and for the earth. We can make the earth smile and ourselves too. Yes, we are the ripple effect, you know, and, yes. it, and it starts from in and it, and it ripples out. Oh, and then sure. that, that attracts more connection with others, uh, with the community, with the world, uh, such as me being able to be here with you today, Maria, and, <laughs> and sharing you and your amazing, lovely insights uh, I've so enjoyed this conversation and I just want to ask you a question about how are you allowing abundance in your life? Oh, I have, um, I have lots of ways of being in abundance. Every morning already, I will meditate. I spend time with myself and it's actually the most difficult moment of the day for me to meditate because I'm very creative and at that moment, I have so many things coming up in my head. It's just, oh. And so I've decided, actually, I'm going to do something very nice to myself in the future. I realize that the creative side of me needs to live. And I can't just look at it and say I'm meditating. So I actually, I promised myself yesterday, I said to myself, oh, I know you really need to express your creativity, Okay. So you know what we're going to do? So what I promise, I really promise you, I spoke to myself like that, I promise you, I know you need to express your um, your creativity. So what I'm going to do is the next time that I um, sit down to meditate, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have a certain part of it that is just meditating. And I'm going to leave you a part that's just for you to create. So, um, and then all of a sudden, all the thoughts just went, <laughs> ah, yes. and I was just there in my body <laughs> but uh and it's it, that's what mindfulness does it teaches you know who you are and what do you need and this is you know that's one way of say living in abundance it's sort of answering your needs and being nice to them and then of course um of course there are other things that will bring abundance there's the relationships around you and uh and uh, making those relationships the most helpful possible, putting words on things that are not necessarily easy to put words on. And um, even if you are angry or, you know, not uh, not feeling good, it's uh, finding a way so that relationships can continue in the best healthy possible way. And that is very important, the relationships around me, of course. And um, and then, of course, um, eating. When I eat, I, I say to myself, oh, this is going to be good for me. It's not, you know, this is like, for instance, even if I really feel like eating chocolate, because, of course, I can feel like having chocolate. Um, I notice that if I have a pain in my stomach, I want to eat chocolate, but it's not really the best thing to eat when you have a pain in your stomach. But um, sometimes, like, I would say have a need for chocolate. And I say, but my need is bigger than usual. I need a bigger amount of chocolate than usual. And I would take this bigger amount and I'd say to myself, oh, that's what you needed. It's good. You gave it to yourself. You know, it's sort of listening. This is really what you needed and saying, okay, that's fine. It's really what you needed. Uh, and uh, take it like. Yes. yes. Accepting it. Because it's yes. just as you said before, when we have shame or guilt, 
because it's usually that mind, you know, the mind saying, oh, you shouldn't eat that. You're going to get fat or this is terrible for such and such, you know, whatever that is. Or you hear your parent or uh, a, somebody in your life that told you, you know, you're going to eat that. It's it's going to give you pimples, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever it is. We hold those thoughts. So when you shift it with that uh, positive psychology side of, okay, this is fine. I'm okay. And, and eat it, then you're not going to eat the whole bag of chocolate. You'll just eat that amount that you, that you felt was appropriate at that time. If you allow yourself, you can, you can. And then if I continue on with, with the answer to your question about abundance, what else would yes. I do? Um, what's really important for me is nature. So um, my activities would be in nature as well. And um, I go for enormous walks, you know, uh, 900 meter up and down. And I just love walking in mountains. And I'm very lucky because around here, there are lots of little mounts to go up and down and um, gardening and, um, you know, just being with nature. And as the weather gets warmer, I like to start my meditation outside in the cold. I love getting the cold into my body first thing in the morning because I, I start before the birds sing and I just love listening to the birds and um, being in connection. And um, that is really part of me because I, I have memories of being young in a sandpit, sitting down with, uh, with um, insects sitting, sitting on my fingers. Cause I used to do that when I was small too, when I was really, really small, I was about four years old and just being connected. And uh, also art. I um, I love um, singing. I'm in a, a gospel choir, and uh, it's really important gospel for me because it's your whole body that is implicated in the singing. And um, I do theater, and well, you know, my my life is quite full. And say sometimes I would probably still meet some trauma because. You know, I can still meet trauma after all the work I did on myself. I can, I can still meet trauma. So um, I actually do uh, see a reaction in myself that is traumatic. But now with all the um, tools that I have learned, I, I actually manage um, mostly to manage manage to get this trauma to, to change uh, with me. I don't ask it to change. I just go to it and, and be nice to it. And very often it just changes. And uh, yeah, it could, it can still happen because, you know, we never know if we still have to to do more therapy or whatever. But uh, whenever things are there, when there are emotions, just being kind, in fact, to, to me, myself. And uh, yeah, asking myself, uh, uh, are things the way uh, I need them to be? And are things the way my loved ones need them to be? Um, and that's um, that's the way I live in abundance. And also, I love uh, the work I do. And of course, we do uh, lots of hours of work, and that also brings happen happiness to me because I feel I'm at the right place. And um, that is uh, very enriching as well, of course. So uh, that's how I live in abundance. <laughs> mm. Oh, actually, another thing I did is I filtered the water to the house. I filter the water because, um, and I noticed that since I filter the water that I have much less symptoms as well, but I do so many things. I never know where something comes from really. 
but uh, I filtered it because it takes out the um, uh, heavy metal and pesticides um, medicine uh, from the water. So it can help, you know, <laughs> as I said, uh, we're not all equal to the environment and uh, it does seem to be helping me. Um, and it's nice to know when I drink my water that uh, that it's um, it's been filtered, yeah, which mm. is a good thing too. And also I'm happy for the environment because we don't buy any more plastic bottles. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you just have so much abundance, Maria. And I'm just grateful for you to be here today to share your abundance and your gifts with others. And you do so also, I want to make sure that I understand correctly that you offer support also virtually as well, correct? Yes. Uh, I actually, yeah, I work online, but I also um, work uh, in uh, physical practice. And um, we uh, actually give courses um, online as well in English. We um, we created the Mindful Eaters. I created it with Deirdre Kay, who is um, uh, studying a master in psychology. And we uh, created these courses together. So um, we do have, uh, you find them through the links um, anyway, because I have given you my links, well, you find us on Eventbrite, LinkedIn, um, I have a site, and I uh, also love making audios, so um, I had, until now, done mostly French audios, but uh, since I met you, April, I've been working hard on the English ones, and oh. uh, so there are a few coming out really, really soon, and um, uh, mindful eating ones as well for people who want to start that you'll be able to do uh, at home. And uh, yeah, and then of course I, I work as a counselor, um, traumatism, uh, hypnosis. Um, it's sort of really uh, going towards what you want. In fact, you know, being accompanied towards what you want. I have also on my YouTube channel, I have um, relaxation meditation and uh, I have actually mixed meditation a bit with hypnosis. So um, in these relaxation meditations, um, there's also going towards a goal. So if, for instance, you're a type of person who finds it very difficult to take time for yourself, which was my case, <laughs> so I know very well what I'm talking about, <laughs> this can help you actually to manage better to take time for yourself. And that could be maybe the first step also going towards um, say, looking after yourself, because if you can't take time for yourself, how can you start looking after yourself? Ah, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Yes. And Mar Maria, you mentioned your YouTube channel. What is your YouTube channel's name or title? Um, my mail is contact uh, uh, arrow bus. I don't know what you say in English. Oh, at? At, okay. Maria uh, slash of the six Mason. Dot com. Okay, perfect. We'll have a little pop-up at the bottom. People will see that. So they'll know. Yeah. And I'll put those links in the description as well. So yeah, people can put, connect uh, with you. Uh, I will, sorry, first. Um, I will put a link on my site too towards them. But I also have uh, poetry coming soon too. Because I've actually written poetry for years and years. Mm. And I actually... Do I, I like doing it in audio, so it's going to come in audio form as well. And we never know what poetry can do for you. 
um, the words can be magic sometimes. Maybe they're the words you need to listen to. And often we don't even understand what the poem is saying, but sometimes they can do good as well. So <laughs> very deep, right? It just resonates within those yeah, deeper parts it. of ourselves. Yes. Yeah, oh, beautiful, Maria. Thank you, my friend, for being here. Thank you for co-creating with me and um, sharing your essence of abundance with others. Yes. Thank you so much. It really was a pleasure for me to April. And I love your name. You know why? Because I was born in the month of April. <laughs> wow. Yes. <laughs> My mother was born in April. Actually, her birthday was yesterday. When is your birthday? It's on the 17th. That's <laughs> yeah, coming up. It's Great. coming up. Yes. And also, my daughter was born in the month of April. So it's a special awesome. month. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. I'm so glad to be part of your uh, special occasions. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, everyone, for being here with us today as you, too, are working from the inside out to create more abundance in your lives. And if you haven't had the opportunity yet, please subscribe and leave us a comment. Let Maria know what you enjoyed about this interview, any questions you may have about allowing abundance. And we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Thank you so much. Be well. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>